0: Listener Production. Trent Dalton is one of Australia's best-known and loved modern authors. Unsure if it would sell, Trent went from book club to book club, speaking about his semi-autobiographical novel, Boy Swallows Universe. Well, it worked. Now a national and international bestseller, as well as a Netflix television series to be released imminently, the story of Eli Bell, growing up in 1980s Brisbane has well and truly secured its place in Australian literary history. Trent's new novel is Lola in the Mirror, and it's his third coming-of-age work. Trent joined me to talk about storytelling, sentimentality, why he still reads the critic's words, and what his hopes are for those who read and interpret his stories in, in a new way, even a way that he never envisioned. Welcome to The Weekend Briefing, my name is Jamila Risby, and up next The Weekend List where we recommend what to watch, see, eat, do and listen to this weekend. But first, here is the incomparable Trent Dalton. Hey Trent Dalton, welcome to The Weekend Briefing.
1: Uh, It's an honour to be here Jamila, thanks for having me.
0: And look, we are speaking just as your latest book, Lola in the Mirror, is released into the world. Tell me what that feeling is like the night before a new piece of work is going to be out in the public domain and you know that your devoted readers are going to get their hands on it. How do you feel the night before?
1: It's thrilling. It's terrifying. Um, It's the most gloriously open and open-hearted thing you can ever do. A book is a work of um, exposure. Yeah. And people can take your book however the hell they want it. And that's the point, you know. And I personally write these things from my heart and soul. I cannot even tell you how deep they go, these books. And um, I'm asking the country of Australia to devote some time to try and understand me for a little bit and understand my characters so it's an incredibly nerve-wracking experience, but it's um, the most rewarding thing you can ever do because every now and then they, they kind of contact you and, and they say, hey, I do understand you. I get it. I've been there. Um, so it can be the most exposing and terrifying thing in one hand um, and it can be just the most, it's the reason you're here, like it's that deep. You know, it can be that deep and uh, and... And I feel deeply. So anyone who smashes me with um, how much they hate my guts hurts so bad, hurts so <laughs> bad, Jamila, hurts. Uh, but but also I feel the the other end beautifully as yeah. well. So it's sort of like everything that you read in my books is that full swing of emotions like that. But you've got to do it, you know. The, the opposite of not doing it is empty space, you know. It's just the words not being on a page and, and what, what use is a white blank page you know and sort of that's what i keep thinking so it's like just go for it mate don't worry just put it out there yeah but um no, it's 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 a wonderful process
0: you said the readers take the book as as you know as they find it as they see it that is quite a relinquishing of control right because you're writing with your own purpose and intention what have your experiences been of people's interpretation of your characters, of your world, of, of of these moments and feelings you've created where they've read a situation completely differently to what you had in mind.
1: <laughs> oh, that's so true. And that's that's the beautiful thing where um, we'll have an interesting process soon. They're making a TV show out of my first book, Boys Fellers Universe, like Netflix is doing this amazing show. Yeah. And that even happened to me, Jamila, like, like in terms of what I think of something, I'm like, oh, you interpret it like that. I even said to the writer of that show, I mean, and that story, don't even get me started about how deep that story is to me and my life and my family's life. But even then I have to relinquish that and go, yeah, I see that you need to tell it that way. And people need to process storytelling the way they need to, to either fill the gap inside them that they need filled or to... Rage or to um, be inspired, they 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 will adapt. They will adapt your story to suit themselves, and that's the purpose, and that's a that's a good thing. Yeah, like my big thing is, um, you know, I, I'm at risk of going full tilt too much, and and people um, might uh, sort of take it the wrong way in terms of of not knowing where, for example, my you know, utter sentimentality and optimism comes from. Actually, an incredibly dark place, and. It's me processing all the dark stuff I kind of have shoved down into the pit of my stomach. I'm sort of, I'm turning that into light, you know. And and I, I think a lot of people get that. And uh, and I, but I really understand when some people don't. And it, and it's sort of, um, and that's just the that's the power of letting go. You know what I mean? That's what I mean by you just got to put it out there and and let them take it as they want.
0: Mm. That's a beautiful description because I remember, you know, first reading "Boy Swallows Universe," however long ago—oh, thank four, you, maybe five years ago now—and and I I was reading it during what was I think quite a difficult time in my own life, and oh. there was that sense in reading in reading your book of a heaviness and a darkness to the story and the characters but this constant search for light that's exactly it's exactly how it felt reading it that um the reader was searching the characters were searching the story was searching it was like you were like grappling through this this tough stuff this mud like looking for some light and being like I know it's there and I I feel like at the at that moment in my life it felt like it even though completely different, you know, experiences of what hardness of the world means, I found that enormously comforting. And there was a sense of almost solidarity in in the difficulty.
1: Can I tell you something beautiful I, I've been sent, Jamila, like um about that? Like, and I just, this is why you do it. This is why you let go, right? Yeah. Or this is why you go deep. Um I got I gotta I get messaged. I just get messaged often. And I got messaged from this boy in South Korea, right? And uh, and he says, um, hi Trent. I have no idea where Dara, Brisbane, Queensland, Australia is, which is the setting of Boy Swellers Universe. But I just want you to know that I read the Korean translation of Boy Swellers Universe. Um, and because I have read that book, I've decided to live to adulthood. And I'm like, Oh God. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I'm just like, it is it's that's that's a boy just clinging for his little strings of the light as well. You know what I mean? And and I'm so proud that, that there's young people across the world reading that story. And, and as that is a recurring thing, right? Like I, I was terrified about letting that stuff go, Jamila. Like it's like it's really awkward for my beautiful, beautiful family members for me to share some of that stuff. Like the whole book's about mum doing time and stuff and, you know, how we were kind of raised briefly by this drug dealer. And, and it's sort of awkward for people as adults to go, yeah, yeah, that was our 1980s and stuff. But when you read those those messages like that, you just go, "Yeah, I get it." So not only does that stuff like help me, you know, in my little processing of of my stuff, but the thing I never expected that, of course, it might help some 15 year old kid in Korea. You know, I just did not expect that, and that that happens, you know. And I'm sure, you know, I know you've done stuff like that for people through your amazing podcast. It's it's just this beautiful thing about storytelling. This is why I'm such a big fan of the the religion of storytelling. The, the power of it, you know, the whole process of it. It's so, so important.
0: Boy, Swallow's Universe has had uh, incredible commercial success. It's sold over 700,000 copies here in Australia and another further 100,000 overseas. To put that in context, everyone, most Australian books sell less than 1,000 copies. That is It is not normal to sell over 700,000 in this country alone. And you must have been told from others, from experts, from critics, from journalists, from other writers, from audiences and readers, what the book is about. They would have told you. (sighs)
1: But
0: if you were to describe what your writing is about and the themes of what you're trying to achieve, how do you describe what you write?
1: Uh, I'll tell it this way. Um, I just... Just remembered vividly my brothers and I uh wrestling a, a you know, this man that he was just a monster. He just treated my mum like hell. And uh I've got three older brothers, I'm the youngest of them all. And uh I just remember us sort of getting into a bit of a fight with this guy. And together us boys held this guy down as as mum sort of made her escape.
0: Mm. And
1: uh and I just remember crying that night. We were all on a train. And I remember breaking down in tears, right? Because it was so um, awful, the whole thing. And then um, and then my beautiful brothers started telling me jokes to stop me from crying. And like, if you need to know where I'm coming from in my books, it's that. It's that. It's it's um everything I've written and in these novels. This is kind of Lola in the mirror is sort of end of a youth trilogy of sorts. I've I just felt like I had a lot to say about Australian youth, about being a being a young person battling and just going through stuff and just trying to, I think you said a beautiful, like you said like battling and just grappling and just trying to hold on to to magic and light and wonder. Hold on to your future. That's that's what my stories are about. And mm-hmm. and and doing that um, by just loving the people who you are lucky enough to have around you, you know, and, and it's like all of these books are just tributes to the, and I think maybe even those beautiful boys, you know, those just... I look back on us four boys as teenagers, and we're, I'm just so proud of them, those boys, you know. And and I was just so lucky. I was I was soft as anything, Jamila. Like I was just like this really raw. I cried all the time. It's all in Westworld's universe. The kid, Eli Belly, he just he's just waterworks. It's just like, but it was. I was just so emotional, you know. And I just happened to have these beautiful older brothers who went, yeah, I know, you, I know you like that. And we're gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna get emotional, you know. They protected me, you know. And it was just through love and. And so I sort of, um, I just try to access that stuff and I'm trying to show people, um, hold on, hold on and get to the point where you will write your own story, you know. And it's the theme of Lola in the Mirror. The the, the girl in that book is just trying to write her own story and the world keeps coming in and making that story decay. It's like it's the world wants to make her story ugly and she wants to make her story beautiful. And she just has to keep ducking and weaving and fighting through to get to the beautiful bits and mate that that's just that's the story of a lot of people's lives and and i really admire anyone particularly young people who are walking that knife edge and have every reason to fall over one way and just for whatever reason decide to go the other and and mm. and find and capture the better version of themselves that they see in the mirror you know and it's like we all see these versions of ourselves right every morning every morning we wake up we stare into the mirror and we decide to see what you know, what we're looking at, and it's like I'm just trying to sort of write these things that that show people that there are many options, and uh, mm. and you know we can all decide which um, which human being we're going to choose to be.
0: Mm. You said it's the third in a, a, a sort of a trilogy, I suppose, about around around growing up and and coming of age. You've, you 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 started with Boy Swallows Universe and I know I'm leaving out some books here as I move forward Uh, and then you had um, All Our Shimmering Skies in in 2020 and now Lola. This is the one that people won't have read yet or at least it'll be, you know, there might be a chapter or two through on their bedside table by now. Tell us about this story and tell me about the work you did and the um, understanding you had to come to about these characters to be able to write it?
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I I started that story. I had a, I had a thought about a young woman, 17 years old. I just had a notion about a girl inside a bedroom in a mansion and she's robbing that mansion. And what if that girl fell in love with the boy whose bedroom she is robbing? And uh, I thought that's a nice little sweet beginning of a love story. And then I worked backwards. Um, so, okay, who is that girl? And all right, there's a fair chance if she's robbing a place, she might be hungry. Um, she might be trying to make a make a buck or two. Yeah, why? Well, um, she might be homeless. She might be one of the 120,000 Australians who are sleeping rough tonight. And then I wanted to go deeper and go, okay, well, who's her mum? You know, and uh, and maybe her mum is part of that growing portion of women who find themselves homeless because they're escaping men who pretend to love them. And uh, you know, um, men who men men who talk, turn dark on them, and men who become monsters. And okay, well, there's a story of a, of a mum and a daughter on the run because the mum's done something that she had to do 17 years ago. But uh, if she tells her daughter anything about her identity or her past, that might reveal some things to the authorities. And so the girl's been raised almost essentially not knowing who she is. And then I thought, okay, maybe I can write a story. Um, where we don't find out who the girl is until the very last sentence of the book. Yeah, okay. And I was like, yeah, I was just like, that could be really cool. And, uh, but who would help a, a mum and a daughter like that? Well, strangers, a community might help them. And, uh, and then I thought, well, here we go. I can incorporate the community that I personally, through my journalism, um, sort of social affairs journalism, which I've done for quite some time. Um, I documented this shelter in my home city of Brisbane, Incredible place called Third Space. Um, Third Space is a homeless shelter that's just been serving 3,500 meals a month to Brisbane's homeless for the past 50 years. It's like completely mm-hmm. iconic. It's one of the most amazing places. And I've been ducking in, doing just sort of like a Michael at, at Ted Seven Up. You know that Seven Up series where you, <laughs> yeah, you just sure duck in. You know, journalistically, where you duck in. I love I love those journalism projects where people duck in every now and then and catch up. And I would do that with various projects. And in particular, I wrote a book called Detours, which no one read, Jamila. Like, it's like they made 500 (laughs) copies of it. Um, The Shelter actually produced it themselves with help from a small publishing company. And we put it out there and we, we raised money for the 20 people that I interviewed in the book and, and, and the theme of that book was asking 20 regulars of the shelter, tell me about the detour moment that puts you on the path to homelessness. And yeah. contrary to popular belief, it's not always drugs and drink that will put you on the street. It, um, drugs and drink will keep you on the street. A lot of the times it's it's childhood trauma. A lot of the times mm. it's mental health episodes. And a lot of the time it's just it's these two things, right? confusion and sorrow it's just like
0: Mm.
1: it's just like we just need to remember these issues are so relatable like they are these are things that we all feel on a daily basis right confusion and sorrow it's just Mm. some people on the street have to feel them on a 24-7 basis you know and it's sort of like I was like okay and I met some characters mate like they were just amazing people I met through that book and and later on and I incorporated them into Lola in the Mirror. So, so our girl and her mum, you know, they meet all these people. They meet all these people that I sort of, that inspired all these characters in in Lola, and and a, a little world develops. And what I'm trying to get at is, um, is what is a home? Like, do you need yeah. a roof and four walls for a home? And, and a lot of people on the street will tell you, no, I don't need that. I've got a home. It's a blue sky roof, but I've got a family of friends that I've made on the street, and that they've become my home. And, yeah, I wanted to sort of incorporate some of that. I never forget we launched that detours book and the governor of Queensland. It's a beautiful, you know, spectacle moment in Fortitude Valley, our big sort of lot of homeless kind of area in Fortitude Valley. And and this woman, Mary, who was one of the people I interviewed, she came up to me and she just said, um, what the hell's wrong with you? What like what why do you keep focusing on all the darkness that's in the streets? I'll never forget, like, because that detours book was still pretty dark, you know, and it was pretty yeah. sad. And And she said, you need to do something where you mention how much hope and love that exists in my community. Like, she was like, do me a favour. Do me that favour. Stop being Mr. Um, Ernest Descriptor of the Darkness, you know. And I would. I'd talk about foot sores and skeletal problems and drug addictions. And she's like, stop. Just just why don't you talk about love? Like, I've fallen in love on these streets. Like, can can you tell people about that? And I was like, all right, I'll try and do something. And so I remembered that absolutely in the writing of Lola. It's like let's make sure that um and i swear you know and people people say i'm sentimental but it's not it's just the truth it's the truth of life is that uh, there is light there is absolutely light in the cracks
0: mm. I, I i'm thinking about um lola and then i'm thinking about uh molly hook in um all oh, the you know, Shimmering molly. skies you you react like she's you, you react like um you're talking about a friend
1: oh oh they are they're so dear to me they, they are Jamila. Like they, they stay with me, you know, and and they yeah. become so real, and and, I, and they're all friends. They're all like the the Lola, Molly, Eli. Like they're just, yeah. they are absolutely of one universe, and it's the universe that's like in my heart. Like it's just absolutely in my past, and the past met the present and then created these beautiful young Australians that that sort of come out of me, you know, and it's like they're dear to me, yeah. One of them is me, you know what I mean? Eli is me, you know, so it's it's like, and then Eli made some friends, you know, and it's like really sweet and it's like, but also it's like each character too is like indicative of my daughters, like my daughters are 16 and 14 and they were similar age as Eli when I wrote It. Boy, and they were similar age as Molly when I wrote Skies, and now they're the age of Lola, and it's like, and it's sort of, it's weird, you know. And now that they're becoming adults, and now I feel like I'm ready to write about adults. It's really wild. Interesting. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah, it's strange.
0: Well, what what I was about to ask was about getting in the headspace of a of a child or or a young person, and Mm. you know, I think perhaps for, for some people that feels more achievable when you're talking about a character that's based on yourself like Eli Bell. But mm. for me, I can't get my brain back to how I felt or how I thought about the world at, at, at 12 or 14 or 16. I, you know, I have some sense of it, but not a sense with sufficient depth to be able to bring it to life on the page. What, what process do you go through to create that three-dimensional character who is at a stage of life and a stage of emotional and mental complexity that is so, so far away from where, where you are now in life?
1: Oh, this is, this is just a, a, a writing kind of process thing yeah. that I love. Um, and it's a journalistic thing that I would always do. Um, please always work from the inside out. So if you're writing, if you want, you're wanting to find out about this nation of ours, Australia, please discover this place from the inside out. So go to the Red Centre then go to the farming green hills, then go to the cities, and then go to the coast. You know, inside out. And same, same with humans. Same with humans. Start at the heart. Like, what's what's inside? What's broken? What's been repaired? Why do they beat? Um, what memories do they store in there? And
0: yeah, what
1: are they? What are they scared of? What do they need inside? And then and then go to the blood. You know, what what makes the freaking blood run? And then go to the head. You know what? What are their dreams, right? And then go to the eyes. What are they seeing? And then after you've done all of that, listen to the words that are coming out of their mouth. Listen to what they want to tell you. And it's like suddenly you'll have a character. But, like, that's just a great way to understand humans. You know what I mean? Like, that's just like a really lovely way to just understand your friend. You know what I mean? Not just don't just think of them as the words they're telling you. Think of them about the things that are deep inside, which this is why I I tell people, like, I can't stand talk about furniture. I just don't do, I don't do real estate talk. I don't, it's just, (laughs) I just want to know when you cried last. I want to talk about the
0: people. I want to
1: talk about, yeah. I'm I'm like, who do you miss? Like, who's dead and who do you miss the most? Tell me about them. And because then I'll understand you, you know what I mean? It's like, then you're getting to the heart, you know what I mean? You're starting to get to the heart, not just the head. And it's sort of, um, that's that's how I try and write characters, absolutely. And But that's also how I try and understand my daughters. You know, I get to have these, these sort of good lessons that I learn, you know, to try and be, I'm not saying I'm some super dad or anything, but it's like it, it, the writing has helped me. You know, the writing has helped me. Writing these characters, you know, writing these characters that I put in this book helps me go back upstairs and, you know be a better dad to my daughters you know in the real world mm. not just in the, on the page
0: forgive me for getting personal for a moment but i'm interested in you as as a father of daughters one of the mm. things i feel i think quite deeply as a parent is that there are my own worries and sadnesses and, and trials and things like that. But when there is worry or sadness or distress in on the part of my kid, I can't quit it. Like I'm not good at putting it aside. I'm not good at suspending it and saying I'm going to go and inter- interview Trent now and not think about it. And I'm going to go and, you know, go to a meeting or whatever it might be. I, I can't get it out of my head. You're clearly someone who feels things deeply and you've described yourself as sentimental a few times. Teenage daughters, man, like how do you cope when they are experiencing setbacks or heartbreak and how do you work through it with them?
1: I'll tell you something funny about that happened to me around boy. Um, my life was just, you know, you can just as a parent or, or your life, you can, you can be. You can get, you're just soaring over here, right? You're just, you're doing yeah. real good over here and the thing you're meant to be doing, it's it stayed here. It didn't catch up. And I remember, I'll never forget it. That that book, you know, unexpectedly did really well, and it got a, got a fair few of these these awards and stuff. And I remember coming back from Sydney like the day after this this big awards night, and boy, did really well. And I was so proud, and everyone around it was like, "Yeah, bravo!" Right? And uh, <laughs> I came home, and my youngest daughter was like playing up, right? And uh, yeah, like unexpectedly, like it's sort of out of character, and. Uh, and I'm like, hey, hey, hey. And we went and did the sit down. and just like, I'm big on the, you know, hey, let's go somewhere quiet. Let's just, hey, side by side, you know, comfortable talking, not face to face, side by side, shoulder to shoulder. Just we're in this together. We're all looking ahead together. And uh, I'm like, what's going on? And dead set, Jamila. I get I'm gonna cry if I say this, but uh she goes, I don't know, Dad. Um, I just feel we're not as close as we used to be.
0: Oh God.
1: Can you imagine
0: that? <laughs> I'm gonna cry.
1: Oh, mate, I just fail, like total fail, total mm-hmm. fail. You know what I mean? Like, like it's just so funny life. Like you just, yeah, it's just like that That was really sobering to me and it's sort of so I'm, I'm really guilty um, of being um, writer guy when I when I shouldn't be and so, so I'm lost in some story and I'll oh, never forget this. I was writing Boy Swellers Universe and I oh, know this is probably previous, like writing journalism or something and I get lost in this stuff and my daughter is doing skipping rope. I never forget this directly outside my office window, and I could see her. So, could there be anything that I could ever possibly write that is more important than me going out and playing with that girl? You know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. and it was really profound. Like it was just like, you know. And what I'm trying to get at is just the thing that's getting me now, big time, is just making sure that you got that balance right, and that and that they get the best of me, and not just not just Molly Hook.
0: Mm. Well, Trent, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Thank you for your beautiful new book, Lola in the Mirror. I think one of the things you, you have achieved with that is this bringing Australia's homeless community to to life for people oh. who don't have that experience and don't have that understanding and creating those moments of of joy and uh, I don't think you said the name of the woman who came up to you all those years ago and said go and write go and write the love not just the hard stuff yes. i think you've absolutely yeah. achieved that That's it for my conversation with Trent Dalton. His beautiful new book, Lola in the Mirror, is available in all good bookstores and it's probably available in the bad ones too. You can also buy it online at Booktopia. Don't go away. The Weekend List is coming up.
2: Alrighty, it's time for The Weekend List. It's Helen here, producer of The Weekend Briefing. Now, my first recommendation, surprise, surprise, is a Netflix doco. So the documentary is called One Four, Against All Odds. And it traces the metric rise of Australia's first drill rap stars, defiant in the face of police's effort to stop them from performing. So it premiered at South by Southwest Sydney, and it actually got a standing ovation and it's such a fantastic doco. It really looks into police censorship and talks about the impact of rap and drill music and the culture that it has in Australia and the stereotypes surrounding the scene as well. And yeah, it takes this deep dive into the violence surrounding the scene and yeah, the the extent that the police went to stop it and stop them from performing. Really fascinating watch. I could not recommend enough. If you've got Netflix, watch that doco this weekend. I really want to know what you guys think as well. You can always send us a DM on Instagram at The Briefing Podcast. Let us know what you think. Now, my second recommendation is a recipe. So I'm lactose intolerant, but I love cheesy things or anything that can imitate something yummy and cheesy. So my second recommendation is a vegan palak paneer with tofu. If you know this Indian curry, you've had it before, my mouth is watering. It's so yummy and it's like chunks of cheese. It's super creamy, beautiful. And this recipe imitates it so well. The tofu replaces the cheesy chunks, but you've still got this creamy spinach curry base. I love it. If you are like me, want to try something new or you're, you know, black lactose intolerant <laughs> like me, I could not recommend this enough. The recipe is in our show notes. So check it out. It is from rainbowplantlife.com. Just if you're looking for something to make this weekend, it's such a crowd pleaser. Made it for my friends and they loved it. So yeah, and they didn't even even tell it was vegan. Love that. I love when I can make something vegan and people don't even know. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for being with us and tuning in. It's always a pleasure. If you want more of The Weekend Briefing, you can find us on the Listener app and you can download the Listener app in the App Store and you can follow us there. Otherwise, you can follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And hey, why not give us a little rating or review for this fabulous interview? And FYI, you can actually rate and review every app. And also, guys, check us out on Instagram. We love when you guys reach out to us on Instagram and let us know your feedback. It's so valuable. Now, we will be back bright and early on Monday morning where Tom Tilly and the team will have the latest headlines straight to your headphones, along with some very interesting interviews. Stay safe, everyone. Listener.